Welcome back to another episode of Things My Friends Know. I'm your host, Lisa Lindenfelser, and I'm here to talk with my friends about their passions. In today's episode, we chat with Tessa, the owner of Walking Lightly in Ferndale, about the journey of opening a zero-waste home and body goods store and what everyone can do to reduce their carbon footprint. Well, hello and welcome. And we're here today with Tessa, who's the owner of Walking Lightly. Tessa, so great to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. We're excited to have you too. And this is perfect timing. We're releasing this episode on April 25th, which is right around Earth Day. And we're here. Yes, Earth Day. (laughs) Um, And we're here to talk about your business, Walking Lightly. So why don't you tell our listeners what Walking Lightly is? So Walking Lightly is a zero waste business for home and body products. So what that means is we want to be able to provide all your basic home and body needs. So shampoos, soaps, cleaners, things like that, without you having to buy them in like the single use plastic containers. That's awesome. So by zero waste, which is a term that I've heard a lot about because I'm obsessed with recycling and being eco-friendly. So zero waste is the fact that like you fill a glass container with lotion and you give it to me and then I can actually bring the glass container back to you to refill. Is that right? Exactly. So when I first started doing this, my I was doing a couple pop-ups here and there, but primarily I was doing this sort of like the milkman only soaps. <laughs> Um, and so we are in the process of opening our storefront. So, um, in that case, you can bring in whatever containers you have. So, um, you know, plastic is welcome, like bring in the plastic that you already have, but also all those, you know, old canning jars, old pasta jars, whatever, whatever you got. That's awesome. So, um, how did, how did you originally decide to get into this business? Well, I'd been... I mean, I've always been pretty um, just aware of my footprint. Um, I think it's kind of grown. And pre-COVID anyway, I had really gotten to a point where most, like with our groceries, I felt like I had really cut out as much waste as possible. Um, You know, we weren't really using very many paper products at home. But the one place I just couldn't, I couldn't cut out the plastic waste was just all the the personal needs and the, um, mm. you know, the cleaners. So without, that is to say, without managing a bunch of different subscriptions, because I, it gets kind of complicated when you think about things being shipped from different places. And honestly, I just sort of didn't have the bandwidth to be thinking about managing, managing all those from different sources. Yeah. And I just was like, I'm certain I'm not the only person who is struggling with this. So there it is. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, that's a great question. I I think one of the things that Pablo and I struggle with a lot is that everything we buy at the grocery store, it feels like is wrapped in plastic and covered in plastic, like from the broccoli we get to the lettuce that we like. Like, it just feels like everything is, is wrapped in plastic everywhere in the grocery store. So I know we're here to talk about your business, which is kind of more focused on like home goods and products. But how did you get around all of the plastic that comes from the grocery store? You know, I just would, I would take my own bags and still do. And I've gotten, there was kind of a little bit of a period, I guess about a year ago where um, I wasn't allowed to bring in my own bags. 
but you know, I just bring in all my own produce bags and it is hard. I don't, um, I try to like stock up on like blueberries and things like that at the farmer's market and then freeze a bunch. You know, mm. I try not to buy the clamshells, but you know, sometimes it's somebody's birthday and they want something particular and you know, so we get that and it's fine. But for the most part, it was just bringing my own, my own bags. Um, I was at a grocery store in Troy and I, I think there's kind of a smattering here and there would take my own containers in to fill up like some flour and nuts. That's amazing. Yeah. So they've cut that pretty dramatically. Um, some of it, some of it is, is still there. You can't bring in your own containers anymore, but you can use their paper bags. And I think they're, those paper bags have a compostable liner. So I don't feel as bad about that. Yeah, I mean, that definitely helps. And I think one of the things that like we've run into a lot is that all of the things that you expect to be recyclable sometimes are not recyclable at all, which is just heartbreaking. Oh, it is. I know. I know. And then once you like, it's such a rabbit hole, because once you start finding out about that, and then you just start paying attention to everything, it's just... It's hard. It's hard to not get overwhelmed and it's hard to not feel like kind of defeated by it. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think it's really great that like the business that you've built is really focused on this one area of like home goods, like shampoo and conditioner and soaps and things like that. So it doesn't get as overwhelming. It's like, okay, for the things that I know I need in my life, like moisturizer and things like that, (laughs) I know I can go to Walking Lightly in Ferndale. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, like I have this dream of like, you know, a one-stop shop for absolutely everything. But I just realized, you know, and part of me is like, maybe I shouldn't launch this until I can do all of it. And and even when I was doing the deliveries, I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't do it until, until we can buy an electric vehicle. And I was like, oh, well, then I'm never going to do it, you know, like, yeah. or not, not never, but like not, there's always going to be things that aren't perfect and, and it just gets too in the way. But, you know, I know a lot of other people are are working in that direction. And even um, I know Western Market, I think, had said that they right before right before COVID hit, they were going to try to expand their bulk shopping. And, you know, so people want to move in that direction. And I think there's enough forces in the market that that things will move that direction. And so, yeah, it doesn't have to be it's not all or nothing. Right. Like the best we can do is is good enough. Let's just do that and then keep moving. So, yeah, I mean, that's a really great mentality because I think it can be really easy, like you said, to get overwhelmed. Once you start researching how bad plastics are, for example, you get down this rabbit hole of all of these different things. And I think one of the things that I even saw online is that there are some companies who are actually starting to print with soy ink instead of whatever ink is made with now. And it's like, oh, my God, if they're calling out that they're using soy ink, Ink, then that probably means that whatever ink everybody else is using is definitely really, really bad. Yeah. And like, I, I think unless you're, unless you're really doing a lot of research, like we're not thinking about that, right? Like we're not seeing something printed and thinking about like the petroleum footprint behind it. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot to process. So it's good to have the kind of business that you have where it's like, I don't even need to know, like, I don't need to know that, you know, petroleum is needed to produce ink like I just come and I get what I need from you and I leave less of a carbon footprint in the world because number one you're local to me we're in metro Detroit um, so I can drive to come and get the products from you you deliver to people that are within the radius um, close to your store so I think it's good to remind people that it's okay to start with one thing (laughs) don't get overwhelmed by everything yes exactly 
I think that's a good, I think that's a really good way to start out. Right. And like, just notice the one, like, what's the one thing that, you know, I, I'm trying to remember, I can't, I can't remember who had given this advice, but um, they were saying like, okay, if you want to do this, really spend, spend like a week where you're just taking stock of your waste, like without trying to change anything so that you can kind of pinpoint where the most waste comes from. And then you can use that to make a decision about what is it that you want to trade out. And yeah, like start with that one thing and make sure that it fits into your life. Because if it doesn't fit into your life and it seems like a pain, then you're just going to wash your hands of the whole thing. So yeah, baby steps. Yeah, it's really funny, like listening to you describe that, it like almost reminds me of like um, diets, like where it's like, okay, the first step is just to track your food. Don't make any changes, just start tracking it and then make small adjustments. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's true of anything when it's like, okay, if you want to change your whole, like if you want to change the way that you're living your life, it has to be something that's like, you know, I guess not to be funny, but like sustainable to your own life. Like it can't be, it can't be this thing that has a heavy burden or like a heavy emotional impact. Like you just have to integrate it in a way that makes sense. That's livable. Yes. Yeah. Um, It's really interesting. There was an episode of Hidden Brain, which is one of my favorite podcasts that I um, talk about all the time. And I have no idea what the episode was about. It was probably about establishing good habits and around the new year and that kind of thing. But one of the things that they talked about was like the psychological element of it's like, if you want to go to the gym, you need to remove the barriers that you typically would have to go to the gym. So go to a gym that you drive by every single time you go to work or, um, you know, like have your gym clothes already packed in your car before you even leave for work for the day. So I think it's very similar. Yeah, I actually, I listened to that one too. I was like really moved by it. (laughs) Yes, I'm moved by every episode of Hidden Brain, let's be real. That's true, that's true. (laughs) It's very good. Although it did make me, so I was sort of listening to it from like, you know, just like my own standpoint of like, oh yeah, like how do I make change? But then I was also sort of listening to it from a standpoint of somebody who's opening a business that's like a little bit different. And that that actually made me kind of nervous. Because <laughs> I, I had done, um, when I was first deciding like, okay, how am I going to do this? I had sent out a survey monkey. And I think I had just sort of put it on Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the questions I asked was like, how far would you be willing to drive? You know, and I, I think I put like, 10 miles, five miles, if it's in my, in, if I pass it in my normal route. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I mean, people were really honest that like most people were like, it has to be where I'm already driving, which actually was kind of scary. And, but you know, of course, Shankar Vedanth, I'm just like, like validated this. And I went ahead and opened the business anyway. There's <laughs> people to go out of their way. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you do a good job, especially because you do deliver locally. Like that does make it a lot easier for people. And I think it's interesting too, because I think the market that we live in, like take like a thousand foot view, like we have been trained as consumers to prefer the thing that is easiest and requires the least amount of effort. Like, for example, you were saying earlier, um, the subscription services, we converted to um, a, I I can't even remember what the brand is, Blue Land, I think. Like, we had converted to um, laundry detergent from, like, a no-waste company, um, and it doesn't have, it's not made with petroleum and all of this stuff, and it's set up on a subscription. I tell how many loads I do, they send it to me on a regular basis, so I never run out. And so, like, it's, it's funny that we've, like, been trained to think, like, I don't even want to think about it, I just 
just want my laundry detergent to show up when I need it to show up and never to run out of it. So it's <laughs> it's almost like we need to retrain our brains, especially when it comes to the environment in like, how can I take one small step to um, reducing all of the things that we have to end up throwing away? Yeah. And, I, and, and that's, you're right. Like it's sort of a bigger picture thing too, right? Yeah. Like there's a lot of things that, that we need convenient because we're so busy that we're not like, we don't have time to be mindful about our, our choices. So it is kind of a different mindset. And honestly, I think the the last year has, has shifted our speed and our pace. And, and I mean, as awful and hard as it has been, like maybe there is some opportunity in there to, to make to make more mindful choices or be a little more aware of our time and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I came to your store a couple weeks ago or last week, even it feels like forever. Um, and I remember you being so thankful that I had dro- drove all the way over, um, which it was only like a 15, 20 minute drive to come and pick up products. Um, and I was like, no, I mean, this is perfect. I haven't left my apartment in three days because I work from <laughs> home right now and we don't have to commute anywhere. So like, it's almost like we can think of those as opportunities to like, you know, just take some time for ourselves. I got to put on some really cheesy music that I listened to when I was in high school and it was a beautiful day. So I had the windows down and like just taking those moments to like, just enjoy, enjoy it. Um, especially because we aren't commuting. Yeah. And I am really grateful because, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of choices, you know? So yeah, every, every time that, that somebody will especially go out of their way, like I'm really grateful for it. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad. And I was more than happy to be there and I'm already using the products that I picked up. Um, I'm really excited because I am the messiest person ever, which Pablo can attest to. I spill stuff on me every single time I eat or anything anything is happening. And one of the things that I got from you was um, like a stain removal stick. And it's just like a block, kind of like a block of soap. Um, And you just rub it on the stain before you throw it into the laundry. So I have used that on two shirts already. And the, the laundry was just put into the wash. So I'm very excited to see how it comes out <laughs> hey that's a that's a fan favorite in our house too and it is usually me like and it's usually <laughs> coffee and <laughs> yes or red wine for me I feel it's just like I never wear white because I know how messy I am and the other day I wore a white a whiteish dress and it was the one day that I got like pasta sauce on me and I'm like why did I eat pasta sauce while I was wearing white who knows <laughs> must only eat alfredo <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Well, um, you know, thinking about some of the things that we've chatted about so far, especially in the idea that it's really difficult to go zero waste because everything we purchase is in packaging and packaging has become a huge part of the marketing industry. Um, You and I had chatted about John Oliver's recent um, video that he released about plastics. Um, And I know it's been very popular. I've had a lot of friends recommend it to me because they know I am recycling focused. So I know you have watched it. So tell me what you thought about it. Let me see. I watched it after, after you had mentioned it. So a week or so ago, I'm trying to dig it up in my brain. It felt like really emotional. And I have to say, I think whenever, because he does like these really deep dives that it does kind of get overwhelming. And, and that is sort of his, his style. So I like kind of braced myself with, with any of it, but I, I do like, and, and he pointed out, you know, that, that zero waste was not, was not initially meant to be 
a consumer's term, like a term for consumers. It was yeah. meant to be on the companies yeah. and, and really reinforcing that, that the companies are the ones that are the biggest polluters and the biggest, you know, producers of all this excess packaging. Um, and that the change really, really does need to start there. But yeah, so it, <laughs> I think afterwards I was like kind of heavy and like, oh, I'm needing all this plastic. <laughs> it's, it's a little overwhelming, but I think it's good that it's being talked about. And, and as much as it really is on the big polluters to make the big change, like I, I also really believe in like consumer voice. Like every time that we buy something, we choose, you know, we, we choose where we're spending our money and like that does influence things. So, you know, we can help make the big companies think it's worth it to make the change. I mean, I'd love if they thought it on their own. Yeah. I don't know if they do or not. It makes me think of totally unrelated to, you know, recycling and taking care of the earth. But um, I was a huge fan my whole life of high C orange at McDonald's. And about four years ago, they took it away. Um, and I don't know if it just wasn't selling well or whatever, but um, the consumers of McDonald's reached out so many times and so incessantly over the past four years that they finally just brought it back. Um, and I, I, I think, <laughs> I know it's a silly story and it's weird that I'm obsessed with high C orange as an adult, but it's real. Um, but I think like the there's truth to what you're saying is if we as consumers pressure the companies and the services that we use to be more zero waste and be more environmentally friendly, they're not really going to have a choice because they're like, at the end of the day, they're a service that they provide to us. Yeah. And we can choose to use them or not use them. And I think the hard part though, too, is when, um, you know, when some of the greenwashing comes into play, it's hard to, it's hard to steer around that. And, and also because there's only so much time that we want to spend on, like really researching a company's practices and like, okay, when you say, you know, that you're environmentally friendly, what does that mean? And how are you, how are you protecting the planet and the people? And it can be a lot. So when you say greenwashing, um, that's actually a term I haven't heard before. Is that just kind of make like putting a pretty bow on the fact that they like pretend to recycle and take care of the plastics that they're producing? Yeah. So it's, it's making a show and making something seem environmentally friendly when it isn't necessarily. And, and that is to say, like, honestly, it really is a very complex issue. Like there's, there's a lot of complexities. And so there's a lot of different ways that things can be measured. So it's not to make light of that, you know, and, and I think hopefully we're all genuinely doing our best and and aiming for better but it's kind of like in the in the john oliver show when he talks about wish cycling i'm like oh i know it's very powerful yeah like i can remember feeling really proud that like we don't have very much trash but our recycling bin is full and like i really meant that like i thought that was great and then you know fast forward now it's like oh yeah especially when you know, he released in his research that less than 9% of all plastics that we actually put in our recycling bins can be recycled or are recycled, either due to contamination or due to just like the municipality that you live in not recycling the the plastics that you um, recycle. So wish cycling, I'm assuming, is just this idea that I want it to be recycled, so I put it in recycling, even if it cannot be. Yeah. And I thought it was super interesting and and disheartening when 
I can't remember who, but I think it was like, I don't know, lobbies for large corporations had had insisted that the little triangle with the numbers be put on all packaging, even when everyone knew darn well it wasn't going to get recycled. And it's and it really is kind of playing on people's because we do like we want to feel, you know, like most of us are like appalled when we see someone litter and like we want to do the right thing. We want to recycle and, you know, we just don't want it to be that hard. But it feels sneaky and icky. I was like, gross. (laughs) You know, I think it's interesting, too, because um, kind of going back to that idea of greenwashing, a lot of it really comes down to marketing. I remember there was um, a story semi-recently that there was one country in Europe who had like a lawsuit or something against Subway to tell them that the bread that they serve their sandwiches on is not actually bread. Um, and the reason that they felt that way was because the sugar amount was so high in the bread that they considered it at the level of a dessert based just solely like on the amount of sugar that was in the bread, which is crazy. Um, (laughs) but, um, I, the reason that I bring that up is like, I think there is a lot level of like marketing that like leads us to believe that things are sustainable when they're not. Um, I know that John Oliver used the example of Coca-Cola where they promised to go like plastic free or zero waste or something like that by like 2015 or they were going to use like 20% recycled plastic in all of their bottles by 2015. And he was like, yeah, and that never happened. They're not even at that now. And it's 2021. Um, And I, I think there is a level of responsibility to be more aware of what our products, what our contain in our products, but also more honesty and less like, I'm going to sell you know, sell Coca-Cola to you by its taste and all of these things, but not acknowledge what comes along with buying something in a plastic bottle. Yeah, for sure. I know. Honestly, even when I, even when I started this, one of my, um, I don't know, biggest roadblocks was when I was looking for suppliers, trying to find folks that do closed loop supply was really hard. I had so many, so many people that would, you know, they're like, well, we'll just ship you this one gallon container or this five gallon container and just recycle it. (laughs) No, that's not what we're doing. (laughs) But, you know, but, but they still market as eco-friendly. And I mean, maybe if you did the math, like that one five gallon container is more likely to get recycled, you know, than a bunch of, of smaller containers, but, but it just felt like, ugh, gross. And I do, but I do have to say, like, I've got a couple of like 55 gallon drums coming, but I felt really relieved. I, before I would order them, I found somebody who would uh, make rain barrels out of them. Oh my gosh. I can't have these giant plastic containers. So it sounds like you had to do a lot of research um, and choices that you had to make in terms of finding the suppliers for the different products that you do offer in your store. So like, how, how did you go through that process of researching which, which, you know, companies you felt were the most sustainable or like even just like sustainable from like a long-term business perspective? Like, how did you go through that process? Like, what was your evaluation process like? Oh my gosh. I did a lot of Googling and emailing and asking questions and being probably kind of obnoxious. Um, (laughs) And you know, too, there's there are a lot of of zero waste stores that have existed um, kind of on the coasts. I think California's done a really good job. You know, Washington, Oregon. Um, you know, and so I even looked at like what are what are they selling, and then talked to some of those companies. And you know, but it 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 is all hard. Like there's there's stu- you know like there's some stuff where I'm like I really so I originally um, stocked this laundry powder 
I love the company. They're they're super sustainable. They're closed looped. They ship to me in five gallon plastic bins. But when they ship to me, they also include a return shipping. And so you keep that box, you put the empty one in, and you just send it right back. Wow. And and a big part of why they do they do all the solids. So they do the the uh, stain stick bar. Um, and the dish soap bar. And a big part of that is because they don't want to ship the liquid because it, and it's heavy. And if that's not the cleaning agent, they would rather do it that way. So I love that. But man, a lot of people don't want to use laundry powder. Even my own mom is like, can we do liquid? I, I will do it. I just need a liquid. I'm like, mom, like, I'm pretty sure I used powder for a while when I was like a kid. But it's just hard to get people to change. Like people want it to what they're familiar with and comfortable with so so I do actually have some liquid now um but it's from a woman that's in Michigan she makes it so I feel better that it's not being shipped as far you know and she's willing to take containers back too and things like that so um it's kind of trial and error for a lot of it too but yeah for if somebody is overtly closed loop then they're gonna be like they're gonna be a pretty big choice so I mean the product has to work for people but we also can like change a little bit it's really funny um <laughs> that people are so resistant to powdered laundry detergent because like I definitely am on the same page as you like when I was growing up I feel like powdered laundry detergent was like the norm so it's like weird now that we're like yes. <laughs> and it was in a cardboard box right like yes not really that bad it's funny how um number one how quickly things change like in the grand scheme of things it's probably not been that long since I was used to seeing like powdered laundry detergent being used and now we're already like super used to using liquid detergent that we are like powder ew what's that (laughs) oh that's funny so do you get suppliers are most of them in Michigan no and I, I do need to move that direction um and I would like to move that direction they're they're kind of spread out, but like the the soaps, the hand and body soap and the liquid dish, they're in North Carolina. So no, and I, I don't love the the shipping aspect of it, but like, man, they're a really good company, you know, and they're, I you know, like I, I like a woman owned business. I like if somebody's, if a business is talking about, you know, environmental justice as well like I'm gonna listen so I do hope to integrate more more local makers um and we do actually there's a, a few local local makers that make some of the they make like a laundry it's like a whipped consistency and um, we'll do like whipped body butters and I'm talking to a local soap maker so we'll get there Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's also kind of like a ripple effect where it's like the more that we get used to this idea of um, zero waste refilleries, things like that, like the more people who are going to be willing to take a jump into providing the kinds of products that you're looking to put into your store. So I feel like, you know, like that's probably hopefully in the next five to 10 years, like there's going to be a ton of people in Michigan who are creating all of these things that you'll be able to sell in your store. Yes. I know. I really hope so. It is, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird place to be. Cause I'm like, okay, I feel like we're on the precipice of this, you know, because there are, you know, more and more zero waste stores popping up all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in Michigan, like it's, it's becoming a more commonplace thing, but I also see like bigger companies are partnering with like loop. And so I'm kind of like, I don't know, like, will this exist in, in, 
10 years or like will will big companies make this really accessible in every grocery store and to be honest like that would actually be great like i'm <laughs> i'm okay with that <laughs> but, yeah it definitely would mean that the world was in a better place if that were the case yes so i mean that brings me to another question that i have for you are you, so you run walking lightly you're o- about to open a store in ferndale it will be open by the time that we release this podcast episode <laughs> Are you doing this this store and this business full-time, or are you doing something else on the side? Well, this is my full-time now. Um, I have been, for the last 12 years, um, business is totally new to me. I'm a social worker, and so I was working at a school-based health center um, when when COVID happened, and my, my three kids were home and needing help with virtual school, and it was really hard. I was, you know, trying to do therapy sessions and in between trying to get everybody school. And it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable for our lives. It was just a disaster. (laughs) So, um, you know, we, we talked a lot and I have, I had amazing coworkers and a really wonderful supervisor who, you know, were like, we get it, do what you need to do. So I, so I decided to stay home and help them do this. I had been planning walking lately and I wasn't sure what it was going to look like. Like I assumed I would keep social working and that this would be on the side, you know, but the world went upside down. And so, and I, I think I almost felt this like kind of push that like, okay, eventually things will go back to normal. The kids will go back to school. Like, am I going to go back to social working or am I going to try this and really see where it goes? So it's sort of this like beautiful, scary gamble <laughs> because I would have, I would have really regretted not knowing where it would go. It's crazy because I do remember seeing an article on NPR a few weeks ago that um, the number of women, working women who left their jobs to go back to being home full time, it was like something crazy, like 30% like of women who were in, you know, the workplace left to go take care of their kids because of this virtual environment that we were all pushed into for good or for bad. Um, and it's just crazy to think about that. And um, I think it's amazing that you took that as an opportunity to just like become a woman who owns her own business and still supports her kids. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. And to be honest, I'm not sure I'm not sure what I would have done if I didn't have this on the like on the back burner or if it wasn't already in motion. All this COVID stuff, it has been really hard. Like my husband and I were very like egalitarian about things and it definitely shifted and like all of a sudden, you know, I was working and doing a lot of schooling and childcare and all this extra stuff. Um so that was hard and I don't know if I would have I don't know what I would have done because it would have been hard and perhaps resentment filled if there wasn't, you know, this like pursuing something else. But yeah, we'll see. (laughs) It is what it is right now. We're still living in the Rona times, even if people are getting vaccinated. And that's great. Cases have never been higher in Michigan. So we're still still living. I (laughs) I know. It's crazy. It is crazy. So what do you feel like are some of the common misconceptions um, about like recycling, about zero waste, about, um, you know, global warming, any of that, that you wish people knew more about? Oh my goodness. Um, There are probably so many and there are probably so many that would be better spoken on by, by people who know more than I do. But as far as, you know, just the, the 
living more sustainably. I, I think it gets presented um, as just really beautiful and minimal and simplistic. And, you know, sometimes it's the just really messy collection of jars that you don't want to let go of. And I think it, it ends up feeling like it's tied with this beautiful perfection and it's not, mm-hmm. and it doesn't need to be that way. And, and I think we do a disservice to it because then it seems like this thing to attain, like it seems expensive and it really shouldn't be. I mean, I will say like, I don't, I have not big profit margins. Um, but regardless, I will never be able to compete with like suave shampoo, you know, but, but like for what you're getting, like it shouldn't, it should be cheaper because it's about buying less. But I think sometimes it, it seems elitist, I Mm. guess maybe like it can be presented that way. And I think I need to do a better job of like, like on our social media showing pictures of the not pretty version, you know? Yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, when you go zero waste, you're actually only paying for the product itself instead of the packaging and the marketing and like a company like Suave, all of the things that come along with that. Um, And yeah, I mean, it's hard to quantify when it comes to huge corporations like Suave versus a small business like yourself. It's hard to quantify like all of the good things that you're doing in terms of the environment and in terms of global warming, because at the end of the day, people are very focused on the bottom line price. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. You know, I, I get it. (laughs) We, we have, we have to like make it work in our lives and, and it has to be, it has to be accessible. And, and I do think that is one, one failing that I hope we're working towards correcting is that it becomes something that is more accessible to everyone and that it doesn't that it's not cost prohibitive because i mean if you're choosing between having enough food or do i buy this like soap in this cheap plastic bottle or do i instead buy the more expensive one like i get it we all got to put food on the table and we got bills to pay so i do understand (laughs) yeah well i mean and it sounds like you're finding a good balance between like Um, You mentioned your profit margin. So you're trying to find the balance of I want to make sure that the consumers are still able to consume and be competitive with other products. Um, But at the same time, you also have to eat and you also have bills to pay. So finding that balance there, I'm sure is hard, especially when the goal is really about saving, you know, helping to save the environment. Yeah, yeah. And I'm... I'm not a, I'm not very business savvy. So, uh, <laughs> fortunately there, there've been, um, like I got a, I found a small business coach when I started doing this, who was, who was helpful because, you know, I could just romanticize all of it. And like, <laughs> I, I want all these beautiful things and, and I, you know, I do. And hopefully we find ways to make it work so that, you know, we can donate and, and make things more, make things more accessible so yeah and also just like influences this influence the spaces that you exist in like you know partnering with school districts or things like that like finding those opportunities to make a big difference in the community that you live in and I'm sure that'll definitely come with time as you become more established and you get more people like me who are definitely going to be coming back (laughs) over and over again so I don't have to buy any more plastic bottles for lotion ever again in my life (laughs) 
it's all gonna be great and at the end of the day like you were saying earlier it's also just about like taking a small bite as the first step like um, me converting to getting lotion from you instead of the crazy plastic bottles that are also covered in plastic saran wrap is a huge step in the right direction it's just a small step and you know in comparison the price is really not that different so who cares yeah. And that is, that is true. I, I think I have to remember it for myself. I'm sort of in this weird spot where I'm like, I think I've kind of described my, my business model as it's, it's a bit field of dreams. You know, I'm like, I know people are going to come and do this. You know, I, and, and I, I have met some really amazing, uh, some really amazing like customers and, um, you know, people in the community that are excited about it, but it also just sort of, felt like, okay, it's time to make this jump, even though I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work. I think it is. I really hope it is. <laughs> it's going to work. Tessa, I believe in you. It's going to be amazing. Oh, thanks, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like every time I'm like, if you build it, they will come. My husband sort of cringes. He's like, oh, <laughs> this is not a really great business philosophy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So out of all of the products that you are selling at your store, what's one of your favorites? Let's see. What are some of our favorites? My daughter and I have both been uh, kind of obsessed with the new shampoo shampoo bars. They leather really nicely. She's got really long, thick hair. So <laughs> finding something that works really well for her is always a, is always a gift. Yeah. Um, I actually just recently and probably the past two or three weeks when switched over to a shampoo and conditioner bar, um, I had been meaning to make the switch for a long time, but I was always buying like the super large, like 30 ounce bottles with like the pump because it was just more like it was more everything, like more product, less time buying product, (laughs) easier to use. Um, so I actually just switched to the bars and I was super nervous about it because I definitely am. It sounds like I'm similar to your daughter I want my hair to be nice I want it to be the way that I've been used to um and I was very pleasantly surprised I was worried it wasn't gonna lather at all um which I was like how am I gonna tell my hair is clean if it's not (laughs) lathered (laughs) um so I've been pleasantly surprised so definitely I'm a huge uh proponent of the shampoo bars and the conditioner bars because they're great yeah and like we can do stuff in bar fashion right like it's kind of fun to try the new stuff so how long can I, am I allowed to ask you, like, how long, tell me about yours, like, sustainability journey. <laughs> sure. Because obviously you're passionate about it. Yeah. Um. What's weird is that I lived in a super small town in the middle of Illinois in a cornfield. Um, <laughs> and um, we lived probably like 20, 25 minutes from the grocery store that we got all of our groceries from. And so every single weekend on Saturday, it was a Saturday Saturday morning all of like taking up the whole morning event to go to the grocery stores and um, despite the fact that we were way in the middle of nowhere we would barely get snow plows out there in the winter um, my mom still took recycling to a recycling center near our grocery store Um, and so recycling has definitely been a huge part of my life even as a kid and I have no idea how she got into it especially because she came from a farming family so you know that's a an area of the world that in my head is not associated with recycling Um, and so I just kind of naturally picked it up as as part of her like doing it like she was just like this is the right thing to do we're going to do 
do it. And we stop by the recycling center on our way to the grocery store every single Saturday. Um, so that's definitely how I got into it. Um, and honestly, I'm just naturally curious about these things anyway. So I feel like it was just like from there, I was always very conscious about recycling and those kinds of things. And it just kept growing and growing into more and more ways for me to explore. So um, yeah, and then now I, I force Pablo to recycle with me. <laughs> And how, Pablo, how are you feeling about, or can you want to answer for him? How's like, cause I, I do think it's sort of interesting when somebody like sort of tangentially gets into some of the more sustainable stuff. Right. And like, like those opinions, I don't know. I always find that interesting. And you know, my husband is like a Guinea pig too. Like when I was trying out deodorants, like I finally found one that worked for me, but I was like, like, I just happened to choose to shave my armpits I'm like you have to use this because I need to know if it works on hairy armpits and you know it does yeah so Pablo what have you like I don't feel like you came from a huge recycling family so what has this process been like for you no I think it's good I think everyone just has their own things that they're willing to pick and choose and um you know take a chance on so I think that we have different things that we're willing to to try out and it's worked out well We used to live above a brewery when we were living in the Lansing area and it was in the middle of town and they didn't have recycling at the time. So we actually had to number one, sort all of our recycling and take it to a recycling center at MSU. Um, And Pablo used to always say that was how he got his exercise was by going up and down the stairs, taking (laughs) our recycling. (laughs) It was good times. I mean, I definitely feel like I have been more focused on how to reduce as much as possible in in random little spaces. Um, mm-hmm. I think Instagram and Facebook have learned me well enough to like recommend like sustainable and eco-friendly things, which makes it even easier. Um, so it's like, hey, like, did you know that you like that you can use like a reusable Q-tip instead of the Q-tips that you throw away every single time? And I, I will say like for all of the bad things that social media does in our lives, I am happy that it's starting to recommend eco-friendly, sustainable alternatives to things that I use every day it just allows me to continue to expand I know and sometimes it's like oh wow like I just hadn't thought of that right yeah like packing tape that was one that I saw semi-recently um on my ads is like you don't think about the fact when you send a package or receive a package that like the tape that they actually use on the box is not recyclable in any way shape or form and so now there are companies who are creating like biodegradable tape that you can actually put on your boxes which is crazy I know it is. And it's like, sometimes it's a learning curve too. Like, cause we have some now. And of course I like, you know, only buy things in like giant bulk, but like this one, we have to like wet it down. And we were doing a project the other day. It was like, Oh my gosh, we're like having to wet down this tape. I'm like, well, yeah, there might be like a self-adhesive one out there and we'll look for it when this 40 pound roll is done. <laughs> but for now, this is what we've got. That's so funny. It's like an experiment. So going zero waste is great for people who like variety in their lives because you're going to get to test out a bunch of different things until you find the good fit for you, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But it is a little hard sometimes when the like, like the first principle is like use up what you already have, right? And like I have found, because I did want to like test out um, even just like to have like some makeup stuff. And um, I wanted to make sure that I liked you know, the actual product, not just what the brands stood for, but that now I have these like beautiful little things, like these little wooden things. And I'm like, well, I can't really touch those until I use up all this stuff that I <laughs> accumulated over years and years and years. But 
Yeah, that part is sorry. It's the it's the carrot that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to hear what you find in the makeup realm that is more sustainable and eco-friendly because that's definitely the field that I'm just like, I don't know, like, how do you make sustainable mascara? I have no idea. So <laughs> hopefully that's the space we go to. <laughs> it's interesting. And I've tried like lots of different and some, some have had some success. And sometimes I like get home at the end of the day and I'm like, oh my gosh, I look <laughs> like that all day. <laughs> mascara running down yes (laughs) (laughs) well tessa before we wrap up is there anything else you want our listeners to know about you about walking lightly about being more eco-friendly anything oh oh my goodness um you know i think just to like connect if like if anybody is interested like if anybody locally has questions about this like i'm really genuinely happy to connect like to chat obviously um but even you know like if somebody has questions or if like you can challenge me on stuff because I know I don't do it perfectly and I I don't know I just I really really like connecting with people about what works and what doesn't work and um I don't know like honestly it's it's been really a gift just to be able to I don't know like connect with people about this it's just yeah, it's almost like they're, this is all about community. Like, I learn from you, you learn from me. We all build a better place and a better environment just by having these conversations and being like, hey, like, I used this product and it didn't work great for me. Am I missing something? Is there something else I can learn? And, like, there's something to be said about, number one, you having a business that you're willing to receive that feedback and grow from, but also that you want to have that kind of community where you do have people who challenge you. yeah. And you're right. It really is all about community. And I think that's sort of the one thing that like, even though it's really scary to be doing a brick and mortar and, you know, what some would say is a brick and mortar dead world. (laughs) But I I think that we really are all looking for community and and connecting with others. And yeah, so I hope that's what it's going to be. I think it will. Yeah. And honestly, like building a better tomorrow at the same time, like connecting with people and making the world a better place. Like what else could you possibly ask for in a local business? Oh, well, I'm so grateful for you. That was I like, I'm so grateful that you connected and that we're able to, to able to chat and yeah, I hope I'll see you lots more. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you will. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Tessa. It's been great. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Things My Friends Know. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.